So uh, again, my name is uh, Ravi Chandra. I'm a psychiatrist and writer here in San Francisco. And thank you for joining uh, this Zoom session. And some of you have been here for other Zoom sessions or have joined me for uh, one of the compassion classes that I teach before. Um, but I'm glad to share uh, this, uh, this uh, hour and a half with you. Um, and uh, the next uh, thing that I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to just do a little presentation. Today is primarily focused on uh, anti-Asian and Asian-American uh, racism and awareness. And, and of course, I welcome allies and people who want to support and just learn. But I'll also uh, be leading another meditation at the close of this as well. And so all of that will be generally applicable uh, to everyone. Um, so, uh, so in the next 15 minutes or so, I'm going to review and analyze the racism currently affecting Asian Americans and uh, suggest some psychological reasons why racism is uh, particularly Im important, uh, 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 sorry, particularly impactful for Asian Americans. And finally, I'll offer some broad guidelines on what we can do to face racism and racist incidents. And almost 1,500 incidents of verbal and physical discrimination or harassment against Asian Americans were reported in the four weeks after Stop AAP, AAPI Hate began collecting data on March 19th of this year. Women reported harassment over twice as often as men, and 9% of incidents targeted those 60 and older. Incidents were reported in nearly every state, but incidents in California and New York were 58% of the total. My guess is that incidents were likely underreported. Asian Americans have been targeted by violence. A woman in Brooklyn had acid poured on her. An Asian American family in Texas was attacked by a man wielding a knife. A male nurse in New York City was forced off of a subway car by a man who screamed that he was carrying infection. And there is un undoubtedly high anxiety about coronavirus, but this anxiety has been displaced onto Asian Americans. Donald Trump has deflected attention from his own management of the crisis by blaming China and persistently calling the novel coronavirus the Chinese virus, contrary to the 2015 naming guidelines of the WHO, which were created to avoid stirring racial or nationalistic animosity. Psycho psychologist and activist Satsuki Ina points to Murray Bowen's work in family dynamics and the tendency of families and groups to bind and resolve their anxiety by blaming a scapegoat. And I've written that every power structure needs a bad object. When a person or society feels insecure or anxious, they can temporarily and superficially boost their feelings of power, superiority, and control by finding a scapegoat and I've called this the power complex. The alternative is recognizing that anxiety and uncertainty are part of life and are part of our common humanity and using this insight to develop compassion and relationship. My ideal power structure would choose inequity or suffering as its bad object rather than an individual or group. That would balance power with love and compassion, but we're not there yet as a culture. And this is not a problem limited to America or to white people in America. In India, the pandemic has led to scapegoating of Muslims as disease carriers 
and doctors and nurses have been attacked. In Japan, Chinese individuals also faced discrimination. Coronavirus is essentially a death threat to our survival brains, and some of us are liable to view other people as the threat, particularly if we have a bias against them. By saying we're in a state of war against the virus, we're also solidifying an antagonistic stance which can easily and wrongfully land on human beings. And some people dismiss the current rash of racist incidents against Asian Americans as simply a fear response. Some white people can be very fragile around the issue of racism, gymnastically trying to dismiss and minimize charges of racism and defend their ideas of being all good. But the fact that race-based hostility can be easily uncovered indicates that deeper disconnection and bias exists. In the late 1800s, newspapers linked Asians with disease and even likened Chinese immigrants to rats or pests. We have been seen as outsiders and, and even now are made to feel like perpetual foreigners. We're all at different places in our sense of identity and relationship to America. Some of us are very aware of anti-Asian racism in America over centuries, and others may have had less exposure to blatant racism or discrimination. I think this is an important moment for Asian Americans, though. I hope we can develop solidarity and community and support each other in all the ways we need. Racism is one way we are denied belonging and even personhood. And as Asian Americans, I think we particularly long for belonging. Asian Americans are more likely to have what's called a family or group inclusive egos. And in general, we're less individualistic than the average white American, although this may be only a moderate leaning. We are more likely to weave our identities around what other people think of us. I think we tend to be more sensitive to what others think of us. Much of my work with Asian Americans is around helping patients think more about who they are to themselves rather than who they are to other people. Now, it's very pro-social to care about what other people think of us and to work towards pleasing others. It can help us navigate social environments and detect danger, but clearly it can cause extreme anxiety to be overly concerned about others' views or what we assume to be their views. But this is one way that it is especially traumatic to be on the receiving end of racism. When we sense a microaggression, a subtle dismissal or devaluation, it lands on our concern for what others think of us. A string of these incidents can amplify our distress over not belonging. They can remind us that we are part of a group that is seen as other and perpetually foreign. They remind us that we are not seen, accepted, and understood for who we are. They can also push us away from appreciating and solidifying the ways we are connected. And if we come from families that did not give us the unconditional love and care that we needed when we were very young, this may amplify the impact of traumatic events later in life. We can feel more disconnected, abandoned, devalued, and erased. This is how trauma gets passed on from generation to generation. Sometimes our parents cannot give us what they themselves did not receive, and we wrestle with that our whole lives. But it parallels and maps onto the deficit of society as a whole. In America, we live in an essentially individualistic, competitive, and all too often antagonistic culture. Self-centeredness gives rise to a lack of compassion. 
we are left feeling deprived, lonely, and lost as a result because individualism breeds disconnection and suffering. Compassion creates belonging. Writers Jiayang Fan and Kathy Park Hong have recently described their sense of belonging as being conditional or probationary, and Japanese Americans have described policing themselves and being implicitly told they have to avoid missteps or else risk being targeted and even deprived of liberty. We have the burden of the model minority myth, which is both a semi-delusional idealization and also a kind of straitjacket on our possibilities and ability to be seen as we are. It turns a blind eye on our diversity and the needs of many in our Asian American community writ large. We are locked in a limited cultural imagination. How do we deal with people's false impressions of us? Of course, it requires assertion of our true identities and refusing to be controlled by false narratives that deny us our humanity. It also requires self-compassion and mindfulness of the emotions stirred in us by the ignorant and malicious. And for real extra credit, unhooking ourselves from this toxic dance requires compassion and insight. When we see into the hearts and minds of those who harm us, we can gain some immunity from their effects. Shantideva, a Buddhist scholar from the 8th century, writes, Therefore, just like treasure appearing in my house, without any effort on my part to obtain it, I should be happy to have an enemy or a difficult person, for he assists me in the conduct of my awakening. We can actually learn and grow from difficult people or situations. Well, it's either that or continue our cycle of suffering. And for me, mindfulness and compassion offer a way out of that vicious circle and the dyad of oppressor and victim. I'm grateful that we have many creative people who are expanding the cultural imagination, particularly in media and the arts. But I think we have to recognize that as Asian Americans, we do, in fact, need a little more. We have unmet needs for belonging and equity. And I think these are relational needs that leave us with a baseline of distress. Now, perhaps it's not possible for our needs to be fully met all the time, but I think we can recognize that the need is there and perhaps do a little more to support each other, as well as gain the skills necessary to nurture ourselves when our needs are not met. Now, most of us will not encounter a direct racist incident, but we will be affected by hearing about incidents from our friends and on social media. But, how, but many of us will be targeted. And I encourage you all to take the Hollaback Bystander Intervention Training, which I'll send you the links for, uh, to get a, a handle on what you can do if you witness harassment online or on the streets. If you are targeted, of course, your safety is of paramount importance. Sometimes it might be safest to say nothing or to ask for help in some way. But asserting yourself by saying, that's not cool, or that's a mean thing to say, or even that's racist, might be important and also leave you feeling affirmed. Talking about the event later on social media has mixed results for the person impacted in my experience, but can be important to raise awareness for the broader community. Ultimately, I think building our identities and awareness of what it means to be ourselves will hone our reflexes. And for me, that means building community, self-compassion, and mindfulness. And there's no right or wrong way to respond in the moment. It's very subjective. And as I said, depends on your sense of safety in the moment. 
But the more you are centered in your own sense of self, the stronger you'll feel. And I encourage all Asian Americans to keep growing in our identities. Join organizations that oppose racism and promote social justice. Watch the Asian American documentary series that's coming on this week uh, on PBS. Listen to the Asian Enough or other podcasts. Watch and discuss films at the Center for Asian American Media, online film festival, and other film festivals. Of course, read Asian American poets and authors. And of course, reach out and support your fellow Asian Americans. And remember that you're not alone. And that being an Asian American is a beautiful thing. Okay, thank you. Please reach out if you'd like a presentation for your group or organization. And you can also access videos and podcasts and guided meditations on the website sflovedojo.org. Thank you.